Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. The reading is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, beginning to read at verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks very much, Ginny. Let's pray together as we start, shall we? Father, may this whole service help us, each of us, to see prayer a little bit differently and encourage each person to take the next step in prayer, whether that be starting to pray or praying more confidently, more regularly, or more deeply. Amen. When Alison and I were asked to look after prayer at Emmanuel, we put together a sort of mission statement to give us some kind of sense of what our aim should be. What we'd really love is for all of us at Emmanuel to be prayerful people, people who pray with confidence, who depend on God, and for whom prayer is a part of our daily lives. So I guess the aim of today's service is to encourage us all, wherever we might be on that prayer journey, as it were. If you don't pray, we'd love you to start. If you want to pray more than you do, we'd love to be able to help you with that. And if you're one of our prayer warriors, thank you, and we'd love you to keep on inspiring the rest of us. So let's have a look at this passage from Luke. Please do have your Bibles with you. There's so much on prayer in the Bible, we could have chosen passages from all over the place. The Lord's Prayer, some teaching from a New Testament letter. In the end, we chose this little parable, a story told by Jesus to make a point, because it focuses on some of the key principles at the heart of prayer that we hope will encourage us all as we pray. The first thing to say 
is that prayer is for everyone. This is one of those classic twist in the tail stories which Jesus used to make a point. He deliberately picks two extremes for his character. The Pharisee is the ultimate establishment figure, very much in the inner circle, the equivalent of the vicar. Sorry, Ben and John. The tax collector is at the other extreme. He's very much on the outside. Tax collectors in that society were not popular. They collaborated with the occupying Roman forces to take taxes from the people, and they extorted additional money on top for their own profit. And they were not loved for it. It's very poignant, isn't it, that little phrase in verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He is meant to represent the person who slips in late, sits at the back in a gloomy corner, and leaves in the last hymn. Or who feels a bit uncomfortable about coming to pray at all, because they feel guilty that they don't pray enough. So if in any way you feel looked down on, as it says in verse 9, I've completely lost my place on the first page. Hang on a second. (laughs) Um, Yeah. If in any way you feel looked down on, as it said in verse 9, this story tells you that prayer is for you. God wants to hear from you. Just to be clear, the point is not that God doesn't want to hear from the vicar. Good news, Ben and John. But it does say you can't ever think, well, God won't want to hear from me or prayer is not for me. If prayer is for that tax collector, prayer is for you. Prayer at the centre is for you. Praying in home group is for you. Having a daily prayer time is for you. Everyone is included in prayer. Don't rule yourselves out. Secondly, prayer is simple. The tax collector didn't say very much, did he? It's just seven words in the English, and none of them are fancy. It's very straightforward. And Jesus makes that same point elsewhere in Matthew 6, verse 7. He says, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So please be encouraged if you feel embarrassed that you are not a very articulate prayer. Short and straightforward is good. In fact, it's what Jesus recommends. If you look at the Lord's Prayer, it's really quite straightforward and direct, and it's a great model for praying. There are lots of other useful scriptures to help us if we're not sure how to pray, but none of them are complex. We've got some resources to help you if you're unsure about praying, and more on that from Alison later. Thirdly, prayer is humble. The tax collector sees the reality of who God is and who he is. In verse 13 it says, he would not even look up to heaven. He realizes that he is at God's mercy, as he puts it. He doesn't bargain with God or try to justify himself or get God to do what he wants. He isn't confident in his own righteousness, as it says in verse nine. This person puts himself completely in God's hands. And the wonderful thing is that though he wouldn't look up to heaven, God was absolutely looking at him. And I think praying can help to remind us of that dynamic, that God is great and we are in his hands. 
But when we spend time talking to God and focusing on who he is, that can put other things into perspective for us. And although prayer is about being humble, this story also encourages us to be confident. Jesus says at the end of the story in verse 14, he who humbles himself will be exalted. And there's a good reason for that confidence. And that's because it isn't about us, it's about God. We've talked a lot in recent weeks about that image from the Easter story, haven't we? Of the curtain being torn in two from top to bottom. It reminds us that it's God himself who has made the way and he wants us to come in to spend time with him. At our wedding, David and I had a song called Jesus is King and we will extol him. And the second verse says, we have a hope that is steadfast and certain, gone through the curtain and touching the throne. I think that's a really lovely image of prayer. The king is inviting us in and he himself has made the way. Fourthly, prayer is honest. The tax collector really meant this prayer, didn't he? It says in verse 13 that he beat his breast. It was really coming from the heart. And God is interested in our hearts. In 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, God says to Samuel, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And because God knows our hearts, that means that when we don't have words to pray for ourselves, often in the most difficult moments, that words are not needed because God already knows. And we'll hear Fiona talk about that a bit later on. But there's more. And I'm now going to embarrass James, and he'll probably be really cross with me later, but I couldn't take credit for this bit, James. When we were talking about this service at dinner, A few weeks ago, James said, prayer is the one relationship where there is no pretending. That really struck me. Prayer is the one relationship where there is no pretending. The Pharisee had completely missed that point. For him, it was all about the outward show, about pretending. But the tax collector was being honest with God and Jesus commended him for it. When you stop to think about that for a minute, if there is no pretending, if God sees our hearts, that's actually rather terrifying, isn't it? Because all of us, all of us think, if people knew that about me, they'd see me differently. Or I could never tell anyone that. I'm actually thinking that pretty much standing here looking at all of you now. We've all of us said, and thought and done things that we are ashamed of. To think that God sees us as we really are and knows us makes us so vulnerable. And we are vulnerable. In a way, it's not very appealing to be asked to stand in the shoes of the tax collector rather than the Pharisee in this story, is it? But remember, the whole message of the Bible is that God is for us, that he is coming after us because he wants us to know him. It's about rescue, about love and forgiveness. The Bible tells us about God's character and says that he is the God whose nature is always to have mercy, slow to anger and rich in compassion. 
so it isn't comfortable to be seen for who we really are. But it is good because God is good and he doesn't leave us there. Who knows what that tax collector had done or why he was so ashamed. By implication, he was a collaborator, a swindler and an outcast. But God wanted to know him and more than that, to forgive him. When the tax collector put himself in God's hands, God restored him. It says in verse 13, 14 that he went home justified before God. So it's because of God's grace that being vulnerable is no longer terrifying, but instead it's liberating. There is no need to be, try and be something we're not when we pray. No putting on a front. No having to try and win God over and impress him as the Pharisee tried to do. And if ever we doubt that, Jesus' death on the cross for us reminds us that we can be confident that God forgives and accepts us because it's about what he's done for us and not about what we can do for him. The children will tell you that one of my favorite verses in the Bible comes in the story of the prodigal son, Luke 15, verse 20. You remember how the son in the story gets to the same point as the tax collector, where he realizes how far he's fallen and he decides to come home and throw himself on his father's mercy. He plans to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And here comes my favorite verse. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and ran to meet him. That is the most beautiful insight into God's character, isn't it? And it means that we ne need never doubt that God wants to hear from us. He's never bored with us, never doesn't have time for us. We can always be confident because he is our father. In Matthew 18, it says that we have to become like little children to enter the kingdom of heaven. And another story from James to illustrate this. I promise it's the last one, James. <laughs> when he was old enough to climb out of bed by himself, every morning, without fail, whatever the time, James would come and get into our bed. And it never once crossed his mind that he wouldn't be welcome. So when we pray, we do come to a throne and we are vulnerable and dependent. But we also come to a heavenly father who loves us. And I think we need to try and hold those two things in balance as we pray. The final thing I wanted to say is that prayer is transformative. Prayer is transformative. The tax collector is changed by his prayer. He arrives downcast, alone, and ashamed, and he comes away justified, forgiven, and in a restored relationship with God. I think we can often think that prayer is about us talking to God and asking for things, but it's more than that, isn't it? The prayer in this passage was more than the words that the tax collector said talking to God. God responded to him, and that's what changed him. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, Paul writes, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. 
We've talked about being fully known this morning, haven't we? But this says that surely in prayer we can already come to the throne of the living God and start getting to know him better until the day when we know him fully. And it's when we spend time with God in prayer, when we make ourselves available to him, as you will hear Romy and Will say later, that's when he changes us. The Pharisee missed out because he didn't think he needed changing. Let's take the opportunity to be changed by God. Let's not miss out. So to summarize, we really want to encourage you that prayer is for you. Anyone can do it. It is the most wonderful thing to be in conversation with the living God, to have the confidence to go through the curtain and touch the throne. It's liberating, awe-inspiring and transformative. It helps to put us in a right relationship with God where we are depending on him as our redeemer and loving heavenly father. And it's life changing. So enough from me, over to some people from our church family to talk about their experiences of prayer. My daily time of prayer has changed since lockdown first began last March. As I do not have to now rush out of the house first thing in the morning, I have extra time to spend with the Lord. I aim to read the Bible first thing in the morning. I shut the door of the room that I'm in so that I'm not going to be distracted by anyone or disturbed. First of all, I pray and ask God to speak to me through his word. And then I go through a reading plan and I read the Bible. And after that, I just sit in his presence and just make myself available to him. My mind does wander from time to time, but I do try to stay focused on the Lord. And then I bring my needs to him. And if I'm a bit rushed at this time, I might uh, bring my prayer requests later on when I go for a walk. me is um, a mixture of sort of structured prayer times and also the sort of ad hoc relationship prayers as I call them um, but they are all governed really by a prompt um, because I'm not very good at just praying without a prompt and so my day starts off with um, weekdays reading my bible and there's a prayer at the end um, I also have times where obviously we pray as a church in prayer meetings. I have a prayer partner every week who prompts me to pray. And also in things like home group, we pray um, for each other as well. So that's the more structured times. Matt also prompts me to pray uh, late at night when we're in bed and I fall asleep probably half the time. Um, but they're the sort of structured prayers. But I would say the real prayer for me is the relationship prayers and that's you know as you're driving along in the car you see somebody um that you know and you just pray for them sort of on the spur of the moment um perhaps you're listening to a worship song again in the car my car journeys are really important for prayer for me where you just have that spontaneous prayer um other people say can you pray for this and i'm so rubbish at, at remembering to do that that i now put it in my phone and my phone gives me a prompt um to pray and that's that's been really helpful um for me so i think during lockdown uh, we spent a lot of time, or at least I have, 
speaking for me. Uh, I've spent a lot of time listening to, uh, praying through worship music or uh, listening to sermons online or um, calling people to pray with them. And I think that's been, that's been really helpful and really good. But one thing that I've found, um, I think particularly helpful and uh, effective has been just praying, just reading a bit of the Bible without any uh, anything else, just trying to block block other things out and just have me sit down uh, with the Word and take that in. What what God directly wants to say to me, what does He want um, me to hear? Um, and then praying about that afterwards. And I think, uh, yeah, just the Word. I think sometimes it's easy to underestimate how useful just the Bible is. There's a verse in 1 Peter that says, cast your anxiety upon the Lord because he cares for you. And I find that I pray, but the problem is I'm a bit of a worrier. So although I prayed for things or friends, I still find that I'm worrying about them. So I came up with the idea of a prayer box. In my prayer box, I have a cross and I have some cards from which I've written the names of of friends, family, situations, places that I want to pray for. So I'll go through and I'll pray for these situations and I put them in my box. Then at the end, I put my cross in the box on top and I close the box. And in doing this, I'm entrusting each of these situations and people to the Lord. I know he can look after them far better than I can. I wanted to say something about prayer in those dark times and places that we all find ourselves in from time to time and particularly in this last year or so for so many of us. I've been in some really dark places over the last seven years since my son Dan died and my experience of prayer in those places hasn't always been God bringing light into the darkness. Sometimes it is just dark but God has always, always been there however deep and however dark. Prayer in those times and places, for me, has no words. It's just being, in the dark, held by God. Being a part of the Emmanuel Prayer and Fasting Group has been such a blessing to me personally. I have grown in the discipline of fasting, in learning to abstain and train my mind on God and just focus. I've also felt like a, a strong part of a community of church members just lifting up church needs to God, which has been a blessing and a real joy. I haven't done very well with not having coffee in the morning. The, the, the giving up of coffee on, on fasting days was and is a struggle. But in, in all, it's been a real blessing. Okay, so one minute on the prayer meeting that we have at school. It's a staff parent prayer meeting. We meet six times a year. Um, we tend to pray to, to begin with. We give a, um, a quick introduction, a quick verse from the Bible, maybe something from Psalms. Then we give thanks to God. Uh, and then we look at things that are coming up in the future. Um, pray for those. Could be events, could be trips, could be any particular exams or something like that. Uh, and then we get a time to actually pray for the actual Christian groups in the school, which is incredibly supportive. 
Um, one of the most beautiful things about Trinity is that it's very multicultural, and that's reflected also in the parent staff prayer meeting as well. Um, and so you get various church styles being um, represented. And so the prayers can be really short bullet points, or they can be very eloquent, or they can be really charismatic. Uh, and that makes for some, uh, some fun sharing at times. Um, most of all, though, I feel very, very supported. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.